Hey, thanks for joining us and welcome to the Becoming Podcast from New Life Church. We're so excited to share in this conversation with you today as we explore what it means to become more people, more like Jesus. Happy listening. Well, welcome uh, to the Becoming Podcast. We are so excited. In fact, this is probably going to be our first Becoming Podcast for 2024. Yes. And we've got a great guest today. Jess, who did we interview today? We've got Pastor Banning from Jesus Culture, which is a church in America and also a worship movement that yeah. is global. Yeah, so I remember uh, Pastor Benning back when he was just starting out. One of the songs that really changed and affected my spiritual walk was How, oh, how He Loves Us. Um, and Jesus Culture were the ones that actually really penned that in, in the early days and pushed out a lady named Kim Walker who uh, really came up for the Jesus Culture movement. But we're not talking about their music today. Um, we're talking a lot about Pastor Benning's understanding of church, of community and identity. And um, what, what are some of the reasons you're excited for us to interview Pastor Benning? I just, I think church community can be intimidating for people that mm. are starting their journey yeah. in faith. I think um, church community almost can seem optional. Yeah. Um, and I love how Banning speaks in this episode, in this conversation about how significant and important it is for yeah. community, um, for you to be integrated into community when you're starting your faith and as you continue your faith. Yeah. Um, and I read this quote um, and it's always stayed on my mind and I live by it. It's that you are the sum of the five, pe- five closest people around you. Mm. So who you are in community with really shapes who you are. Mm. Um, so I think this conversation just will be, yeah, just so rewarding for everyone yeah. um, looking for a community. Um, and I'm also excited um, because he talks really deep into identity. Yeah and how culture and, you know, consume, like our consumerism um, mindset is shaping our identity and how identity is being moved away from God and faith. Yeah. So we need to return it. We need to return it to that in so many ways. Yeah. So. Well, we are so excited for Pastor Benning. Um, and so here it is. And just remember, if this is your first time with us on the Becoming podcast, the hardest podcast is that we would be providing a resource to the world for people to become more like Jesus, particularly those who are new in their walk in discipleship or don't know what's next in following Jesus. So if you're exploring faith, you're new to faith, or you've got questions about Jesus, you're in the right place. This is for anyone who is willing to ask the question, who am I becoming? And are you ready to take that seriously? So here is our conversation with Pastor Benning. Well, Benning, it's uh, great to have you here with us today. Uh, thank you so much for joining all the way from America. What, what time is it over in America at the moment, Benning? Yeah, just afternoon, you know, 2.30 or something like that. It's great to be with you. I'm just hitting my stride right now during my day. So good to be with you. Always love uh, going to Australia Talking to Australians, we love Australia. One of my favorite places to go. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. The great South land of the Holy Spirit, as they say. Uh, but you're uh, you're from a church, a pretty well known church called uh, Jesus Culture, uh, which began as a movement. But before we get there, Benning, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your family, and maybe even about a little bit how yeah. Jesus Culture, your church, uh, came to be about. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh. 
Yeah, my name's Banning. Married, been married uh, 26 years this month. Have three kids, a 24-year-old, 21-year-old, 18-year-old. So my, my life is kind of moving into the raising of young adult kids. My uh, my youngest is uh, a senior in high school, plays basketball. So my life right now is just basketball games. We are just at basketball games. We don't miss them. I, I say that I have a, a I have a call in my life to be a pastor. But I have a secondary call, which is pretty close, which is to help referees out uh, in my son's basketball games. And so I am there to help the referees out to make sure they don't make wrong calls. Uh, so that's that's, you know, that's me. And um, uh, we we I, I'm from a, a town called Redding, California. There's a church there called Bethel that we came out of. And uh, we were kind of youth and young adult movement. We were doing conferences, uh, worship music, leadership stuff. And then about 10 years ago. Uh, came down here and nine came, moved about three hours away from Reading in Northern California, which you may not know much about Northern California, but it's we're just east of San Francisco and um, came here and planted a church about nine years ago. It's been uh, just incredible what God's done just in the lives of people. So, yeah, some pastor and dad and husband and, you know, I go to CrossFit, but I wouldn't really mention that since, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily a great ambassador for that. But that's kind of me. So you got two churches. You got the Church of Jesus Christ and the Church of CrossFit. Uh, from what I understand, they're um, two fairly uh, accountable communities of different <laughs> discipleship. So. It is. Listen, it is. It, CrossFit is a little cultish. So uh, yes, you know they might say that. Uh, listen, another time, another place. I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old. So uh, you're you're at the other end of of what Ooh. I would love to see. Um, today, which should, uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll discuss that uh, at a different time. Benny, um, you know, I've, I've heard of you yeah, speaking. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a lot more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm getting a lot more sleep fair. than you right now. Yeah, that's fair. You look a lot better than I probably do. So, um, we, when, yeah, I've been following you for a while, <laughs> Benny, and, and you know, we've talked about the purposes podcast. It's, it's for people who are learning to become like Christ. Some of them are new Christians, some of them may be exploring faith. And some may be needing to be reignited in their faith. And one of the things I've always really appreciated about your leadership uh, that you provide to the local and global church is uh, your emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit's uh, desire to move amongst God's people, but also your understanding of the local body, of this local thing that we call the church or the body of Christ. I actually use one of your quotes a lot when talking to our people, what it means to be a family. You have this great line around, uh, yeah. Everyone carries a tea towel. Um, everyone picks up yeah. some serves. Um, but that, it's, yeah. talk a little bit about where did this love for the body of Christ come from? Where did this love for the local church come from? Is it because it's a job that pays money? Is it because uh, it there's nothing else to do? Or uh, where did that generate? Yeah, listen, if it, there, there's plenty else to do, I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, you know, I my life was radically impacted and changed in the local church. Uh, I, I would agree one hundred percent with you. Whether you whether you are a brand new believer, whether you just got saved yesterday, whether you've been saved for fifty years, we're all on the same journey to become more like Jesus. That's the whole. That's the whole purpose of this whole thing, and and to really experience the fullness of what Jesus offers us. And I am just convinced that it is through community. It is through the local church and, and what God is doing there that we experience all of that. I, I would 
say this, we would, we have a real passion. And I think this stuff manifests in the local church. I think any thriving, anybody, any believer that's thriving and alive, I would say is, is, is connected or planted. We would use the word soil is, is planted in three soils is planted in the presence of God is planted in the word of God, but is planted in the family of God. And, and I think that, that, that we get saved and then God says, Hey, welcome to a family. And in this family, you're going to be shaped, molded, believed in, challenged, grown, uh, experience the fullness of what I have for you, experience my presence. And so I just, I, I believe deeply in the role of the local church in the life of a believer. I also believe deeply in the role of the local church in a city. That, that God, that revival, which we would use the word revival a lot, I believe, I, I, am, I am praying and believing God for revival. I just believe the local church is the vehicle through which it comes. So, man, for me, my life was changed in the local church and in community. It's where I encountered my, it's where I encountered God. It's where I encountered my destiny. It's where, it's where I was discipled and shaped and formed. It's where people, it's where people challenged me and believed in me simultaneously. So I, I love the local church. Benning, to just to drill down on that, have you ever not wanted to love the local church? Like, have, was there ever a time in your Christian walk where you're like, I, I, I don't know if I can keep going. Uh, I want a break from this. Yeah, I think that um, here, here's what I would say when it comes to community. Community works. Like if you are connected with other people, you are going to get to a place of thriving in the fullness of what God has for you. But, but simultaneously, community is messy. And, you know, I, I, think, I think that it's really interesting. God has no problem saying, hey, you're going to be connected to a bunch of imperfect people. And I'm going to use those imperfect people to, to shape you and grow you and mold you, to reveal myself to you through them. Um, but, but they're imperfect and they're messy. And so easily, uh, I mean, the, the messiest stuff I've gone through in my life has been in the local church. And, and, and people that, you know, either let you down or hurt you or just the journey of it. But I would just say this, that that's just family. I, I look at the local church's family. So I, I, I'm like, yeah, I mean, family is messy. You know what I would actually tell people? I think the things that are the most valuable are also the most costly and are also the hardest. Uh, you have kids. Uh, kids, hands down, hands down, the hardest thing All I've of ever the above. Done. All of the above. <laughs> hands down, the most rewarding, fulfilling thing I've ever done. Yeah. Both are true. Both things are true. Like I like having kids is the greatest joy of my life. It has been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And simultaneously has been the hardest, yeah. messiest thing I've ever done. And so, you know, yeah, have I wanted to quit church? 100%. Have I wanted to stop being a parent to a teenager? 100%. But... But I also know that these are also where life is found and, and so much beauty is found. So, 
Yeah. But yes, I have wanted to quit uh, uh, quite a few times. Yeah, no, I think I think that's helpful. I cuz I hear that a lot. Um in fact, I also hear a lot the comparison sometimes between the mess of Christian community in comparison like let's look at CrossFit, right? I actually honestly hear people talk about it like this. The church is so messy. CrossFit is a better support network for me or, you know, insert your own non-faith-based organization in there. Um why do you think people have that experience? Yeah, you know, they because we want to pick and choose a little bit. Like I go to CrossFit every day. I'll go to CrossFit after we're done here. But like I'm not, I'm not, a, we're not going deep. I'm not allowing people into my life at the same level I am in the church. Yeah, it's exactly right. Like they're not getting into my marriage. They're not getting into my the things that are messy. So we love, we love relationships that we can kind of somehow uh, kind of manage. You know, I give you a, I, I give you some of me, I kind of edit the information you're getting. I don't let you see all of me. True family and true church and community is you see all of me. And, and, and then also we live in a Western society that just does not like, we, we do not like the concept of somebody, you know, speaking into my life. You know, and so we we want to kind of we want to be in charge. We we in the Western culture, we don't like the idea that we are not the ones in charge all the time. And so in a consumer driven culture. So, yeah, I mean, are, are some of the other places easier? Sure. Are you actually getting to the depth of, of transformation through those? No. Yeah, that's a brilliant. That's a brilliant answer. Um, Benning. And I, I mean, I appreciate it because I think in the space of two, three minutes, you've answered so much of what I see happening in a younger generation who are growing disenchanted with the church. Uh, it's because the messiness of it um, is is difficult, but it's also part of the beauty. Uh, my predecessor used to say this line, he said, here at New Life, we're one big, happy, sometimes dysfunctional family. And and it's like, it's it's actually one of the best ways to, to say it, you know, Christmas for most people is a beautiful time of family, but most Christmas lunches are also pretty, pretty horrible. So let's say I am, I am a new Christian and I'm, and I'm, I'm new to faith. What do I, 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 I yeah, go. I'm so sorry. Here's what I'd say, even to the, to the, to the new believer, to somebody who's new in their faith or just kind of coming around this. And, and if you just give me a minute for this, because I find so many times that people come into the church and are confused by that mess, or what I would say they're confused by the struggle of the Christian faith. So we live in a consumer-driven society, and we have to recognize that. And consumerism at its core is trying to remove all obstacles and struggle so that you will spend money with them. So there's a message that's been communicated in culture that life should be easy, Life should be comfortable. Life should have no obstacles or struggle. That's what marketing is saying to you. So what the, the example I would use is, is if there's two coffee shops a block apart, one of them, they're competing for business. And so, so one day, one of the owners sees a guy pull up to the, uh, uh, pull up to the parking lot, get out. He's in a suit and tie, comes in, he waits in line, he gets his or he, he waits in line, he orders. 
He waits for his order. He gets his order. He goes back outside, doesn't sit down, gets in his car and drives away. Well, the owner goes, you know what? I think I could remove one of the obstacles or the struggle of getting coffee by putting it in a drive-thru. So he puts in a drive-thru and he puts in a drive-thru because he's trying to remove some struggle. And now people are, are spending money buying coffee at this coffee shop because it's easier. And I and so all of a sudden consumerism trains us that life should be comfortable, that life should be easy, that life should be free of obstacles or struggles. So we get into the church and all of a sudden we get into community and there's struggle involved. There's obstacles involved. There's mess involved. And I think that a lot of new believers are just confused, are like, whoa, why, why is there a struggling community? And, and I would just say, well, because, because there is growth in the struggle. As you struggle, as you continue to press in, as you work through those obstacles, as you work through that mess, guess, what, guess what's on the other side of that? Maturity, growth substance strength but we are now we are now talking to a generation who has been convinced by a consumer driven marketing machine that discomfort is bad and comfort is good if it's comfortable it's good if it's uncomfortable it's bad but but we you know if you walk with Jesus for any length of time you just know like oh that's not really how that works so i think we have to do a better job at actually going yeah sometimes communities a struggle but on the other side of that struggle is depth. On the other side of that struggle is maturity. On the other side of that struggle is strength. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I mean, I, I have two hats that I wear as a disciple. I just want you to continue talking about that. Then as a pastor, I'm like, please run a masterclass on how you keep this heart alive in you every day. But, but for a moment, you've written a great book called Rooted, um, The Hidden Places Where God Develops You. And one of, the, one of the things you touch on in that book is this idea of identity and, and some identity shifts that have happened in you. And yes. one of the things that you get when you get a family is, is an identity. Yes. Um, and, and that's yes. so important. What, what role does identity play in um, becoming who God has called us to be? And I'm not oh. sure if that does play into the family part of stuff as well. Uh, it absolutely, because here's what I believe. I believe the local church being a family and 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 for me people for me it has nothing to do with church size i think you can be a church of five thousand and still have a family culture and you can be a church of 50 and not have a family culture so for me when i say family i'm not talking about you know every single person you go to dinner with your pastor every friday but but the family concept is where we actually are named so in in biblical times names meant something if you name somebody something, it was actually speaking to who they were. And that that privilege is to fathers and mothers. What People that are coming to church right now, even if you're listening right now and you're new to the church, what we need in our lives is fathers and mothers who are speaking identity into us. This, this is how God's created you. This is the call on your life. And I think... I think that we, we, we are right now encountering the most insecure generation, I think, ever. And when, when, when you don't know your identity, 
then you lack security and you lack confidence. So I would want everybody listening right now, I want you to be secure in who you are in Jesus. And I want you to walk in confidence in all that you're doing. But all of that comes back to who you are, your identity. And we, this is what I encountered for me at 17 years old. I didn't really know who I was until I encountered Jesus. But when I encountered Jesus, all of a sudden, it, I, I, I learned about Jesus. But in learning about Jesus, he began to speak to me about me, who I was, how he created me, what I was called to. And I think that there are so many voices that are trying to define who you are. But only the one who created you can truly speak to who you are. Not, not, the, not that magazine, not that, only the one who created you can really speak to who you are. And when you understand that, it's a level of security and confidence that you can't get any yeah yeah you 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 mentioned something in your book that that was quite important for me as a preacher is that you're not called to be a great preacher first you're called to be a great son um and in preparation uh for today just reflecting on that um that resonated with me but it, it's true for us all. We're not called to be great mothers. We're not called to be great lawyers. We're not called. Yeah. We're called to be great sons and daughters. And from that, yeah. will become the greatness of of where we are. Why is our identity so important for what we produce? Well, I think what you produce comes from your identity. It's um, it's a little bit like. Uh, you know, I, I my uh, my granny, my my wife's granny, um, she she lived in a farm farm town, and I had picked an orange off a tree one day and was eating it, and I was just asking her, I'm like, why is this orange so good? It was the best piece of fruit I'd ever had. It was unbelievable, and she, she didn't tell me about the tree. She began to describe to me the the soil um, in Vacaville and and just how the root systems were formed. And so my point is this, good fruit is connected to good roots. And so, so what I do is what I do is simply an outflow of who I am. Now, society, we've gotten this inverted. Society is trying to define who we are by what we do. But as sons and daughters of God, we know this. What I do is simply an outflow of who I am. I'm not trying to gain validation by what I do. I am just, I, I, it's just who I am. Yeah, great. And I think so many people, when they are looking for what they do to define who they are, then life's just unstable. You, you deal with any, um, I, we, we have the opportunity to walk with quite a few professional athletes. And professional athletes in particular, they're in such a they're in such a performance-driven world. This is all they've done since they were in second grade. And when they retire, they really have to go through this process of who am I? Because it's been so connected to what I do. And so I would just say anybody listening right now, 
If who you are is connected to what you do, then life is going to be unstable and shaky. And if what you do takes a hit, then you will, 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 will have lost your bearings. But if what you do is simply coming out of who you are, I am, I am, I am somebody loved by God. I am somebody, I am a son of God who is taken care of by him. Then it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I'm still secure. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's huge. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if you know Henri Nouwen, um, but he has that great analogy where you know, he talks about Matthew 4. And before Jesus does any ministry, the first thing he has is he has his identity declared. You know, this is my son. Yeah in whom I am well pleased. Yeah. And then the next thing that happens is he gets tempted. You know, he gets immediately taken and gets tempted yeah. with, you know, provision, protection, power, all this kind of stuff. Um, yes. The question on top of that though, Benning, because I, I, I agree prolifically. And if you've been in youth ministry for any time in your life or young adult ministry, you will have heard it a, a, a message on identity. But identity wanes, you know. I can today believe yeah. that I am a son of God who, who he is well pleased. And tomorrow I will have complete doubt of my worth and value. So what are the what are the spiritual yeah. practices and 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 rhythms that you take part in to ensure that, that identity um doesn't doesn't shift for you, that doesn't drift in, in the daily ebbs and flows of life? Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, again, I'll just say that there, there's three real key things things for me they're very simple i mean they're they're that they've been around people have been doing for thousands of years but for me i've got to stay in a place of prayer i've got to stay in a place where i'm talking with the lord and he's talking to me um and so i i try to stay in that place of prayer and 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 for people that are maybe new to prayer um actually just taking time just to just to talk with the lord and that could be you take your lunch hour and go sit on a bench somewhere and and just talk with the Lord, or that could be you get up a little bit earlier in the morning. But I have to stay in a place where I'm in conversation with God because He's speaking life into me. I've got to stay in a place where I'm in His written word. Um, he, he, the Bible is such a source of strength and continually speaking to me uh, about my identity and who God is. And then for me, community. Uh, when you're around community, when you're around healthy community, they're constantly reminding you who you are. This is, this, is, this is Paul with Timothy. This is Moses with Joshua. This is Barnabas with Paul. This is, you know, this is Jonathan to David. Uh, this is Mordecai to Esther. And, you know, Paul's writing to Timothy saying, hey, do not forget who you are. Don't let people look down on you. This is who you are. Stir that thing up. And so I think community, the word of God and prayer are the three things for me that if you can keep those in your life, then you will stay in a place where your identity is consistently being reinforced and spoken to. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. What are the, what are the cultural pressures that we need to be aware of that rob us of our identity? Yeah, I, uh, I would say this again, that the concept of secular humanism, which is what is kind of just rampant in culture right now, 
which is which puts you at the center. So I am the center of truth. I am the center, like I'm the center. And so as Christians, we would say, no, I'm not the center. God's the center. God is the center of truth. He is the center. So I'm not the one having to tell me who I am. God gets to speak to me. And he is loving father who, who, who shaped me and molded me and cares and loves me. So, so when I can keep God at the center, not myself, then God will continue to speak into who I am. When I put me at the center, what happens is, is my feelings are all over the place. One day I'm good. One day I'm not. This happens. That happens. What society is telling me, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I, there's somebody telling me I'm not worth anything, but I get with God and God's like, you're worth me sending my son to die on a cross for. You are so valuable. And so I think the cultural issue that we're running into is, is people putting themselves at the center rather than God. And we have to continually stay in that place where Jesus gets the center of this, not me. I'm not the center of truth. Jesus is. And if you can keep him in that spot, then, then I think that your identity will be fine. Then you won't allow other voices to speak into that. Yeah. Let's say um, we, you've mentioned prayer there, and I think prayer is, is a fairly important thing. There's, my experience, prayer is one of the hardest spiritual disciplines for people to learn. Everyone kind of prays, but few people have a depth of prayer life. What, um, yeah. Where does someone begin, number one? And secondly, how does someone grow in their prayer life beyond just do more of it? Yeah, well, here's the here's the problem. Prayer is an interesting thing because I think you learn how to pray by praying. So I, I think you have to kind of demystify prayer a little bit. And and I would just say, first of all, God loves you moving towards Him. Period. I, I, I'll just say this: so many of us are stumbling in prayer. We're not quite sure what to do. And just know this: it moves the heart of God. He just loves it. I remember we do a prayer meeting. We'll, we'll do one tonight. And we were like, and it was a prayer. It was one of those nights where it just felt like, I don't know, it felt awkward and we're stumbling. It didn't feel like we were getting anywhere. And I just had a picture of when my kids, well, you, your, your kids would be there at this age. You know, when your kids at the age where they're learning to talk, but it's kind of hard to understand what they're saying. And so, so sometimes, you know, a toddler will come up to me this, if, if they're not, and they're asking me for something, and they're a little bit frustrated, I, I, and I don't know what they're saying. I call the parent over. I'm like, I don't know what they're what, what are they asking for? And they're like, oh, he, he's wanting water. Like immediately, the parent knows exactly what that kid's trying to say. And I remember the Lord just, um, the Lord just really kind of sharing with me or speaking with me that he's like, Banning, even in you trying to learn this, I know exactly what you're trying to say, and I love it. So one, I would say in your prayer life, understand that God's heart is moved by your desire to even want to pray more and you're just your best effort at moving towards him. But I would say practically, you setting aside time and then just going to get with the Lord. And it doesn't have to be 4 a.m. It honestly might be 
that as you're driving home, you turn off and you just begin to talk to the Lord. It may be that you go on a walk at lunch. It may be that you get up early and just separate. But I would just say, I would just take my Bible and just, and just, it's consistency. I, it's, it's hard to describe this, right? But prayer, prayer has a momentum piece to it. There's something called the law of inertia. Yeah. The law of inertia is the force that, uh, the force that keeps stationary things stationary and things in motion in motion. So if you can imagine a car in neutral just sitting on flat ground, when you begin to push that car, at first it takes some real effort, but all of a sudden inertia or momentum kicks in. And all of a sudden that car starts picking up some speed and what was hard to start becomes hard to stop. Yeah. And in our prayer life, I would say just keep moving forward. Stop beating yourself up. Stop, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have a PhD in prayer right now. You just need to keep moving forward. And so you get up in the morning and you take some time with the Lord. You're talking with him. You're praying. You're driving home one time. You turn the music off and you just begin to connect with the Lord. You try to begin to dedicate your lunch hour to just going, sitting on a bench in a park with your lunch, talking to the Lord. The more that you do that, the more you begin to learn um, how to pray and the momentum of prayer begins to kick in. Mm. Yeah, wow. Benny, you have, a, you have such a beautiful way of making complex habits and ideas quite accessible. Um, that's beautiful. The law of inertia, I completely agree. One of the one of the things that strikes me, Benny, you've been um, you've been you've been influential for most of my cognizant Christian life. Uh, when I say I mean like you know, since I was a teenager and young adult, which means that you're probably I don't know, like maybe thirty. Um, and yeah, we, yeah, something like yeah, that. something like that. So I had kids real young. Um, one of the questions I would ask is, what are the things that you've had to do to ensure you're going to finish the race? In a world, I ask this of a lot of leaders that I meet with that have international influence. Um, we, we live in a time like, you know, which people go, wow, there's a lot of Christian leaders falling short. But you and I would both have grown up with, that's, that's almost the rule, not the exception. Christian leaders stumble. It's, uh, it's, it's every year that I've been alive that's been the case. Um, but there are many Christian leaders that don't. And so what are the things that you and your wife, CJ, are there things you've put in place? Are there habits? Are there decisions beyond just prayer, Bible reading, and community that you've actually had to make the decision of the well, faith and go the distance? Well, I'll go deeper with the issue of community. What I find when I see people that have stumbled is, is independence. Um, the, the devil is trying to separate you from people he's trying to isolate you and so for me that there has to be a non-negotiable in my life that i'm not going to be independent um, I, I am going to allow people to speak into my life i'm not talking about like small group community right which i love i'm talking about that i actually have covering in my life that i actually have people that can come and speak into my life that actually say, dude, what's going on right there? I'm concerned about that. Your, your arrogance right there, your attitude right there, how you're treating your wife, how you're spending your time. I think that the only safe place 
is when I am positioned for other people to speak into my life. And, and the people that I have seen that have, that have either fallen or stumbled along the way, they, there has been an independence thing and they have not allowed people to actually have access to their life or speak into their life. I will say this: what, what, what scares me, what scares me is not people struggling with something or stumbling like, dude, we're, we're all, we're all trying to figure this thing out. We're all trying to do our best. What scares me is when I see somebody um, and that independent thing gets on them where they're just not interested in people speaking in their life. They're not really giving access to who they are. And so for me, I have to position my life where people are able to speak into it, where they're able to come. And I will say this to all the leaders that I know, outside of the exception of maybe one, the leaders that I know or have heard their stories, all of them stopped allowing people to speak into their life. And so this is why I think the beauty of the local church and the beauty of elders and covering, uh, you know, the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 5, be submitted to your elders and be submitted to one another. And he says, when that happens, you'll clothe yourself in humility. That arrogance won't get on you. And when you clothe yourself in humility, grace comes. And so I think it's very, very important to have elders in our life. Very important to have elders, those that can speak into our life, those that can come with, with words of correction. And, and, and they, they can be, I want to be encouraging too. But when I have separated myself from that, that's the danger zone. And so I just have to fight hard to stay in that spot. Yeah. Benny, that's beautiful. Um, we're almost out of time today. I want to just honor the time you have given us. But there are people right now who have, you know, they've turned to Jesus for the first time. And if you could go back to that moment in Benning's life, what, what do you wish someone had said to you? Um, you know, you, you, your passion is red hot. You, you believe you're going to save the world for Jesus. You've just experienced grace and salvation. The Holy Spirit is either, you know, evident in your life or you know He will be. Uh, what, is, what, were, what would you wish had been said to Benning 30 years ago um, that you'd say today? Yeah, it, it, would, pro- it would probably be more community stuff. It, it would be for me. I, was I, I would that. just really encourage, let, let, let people into your life in the areas that, that you don't want to show them. Let them into the struggles. Let them into the areas that you're embarrassed. Let them into those areas because those areas, what I, di- what I didn't realize at the time was the devil is trying to steal from me. He's trying to destroy areas. And so those areas that remain hidden in my life, Um, That I just, that I, whatever it could be. And I would just tell people, man, you don't need to be embarrassed. You don't need to feel shame. You don't, this is that danger zone of when we have areas in our life, we feel like we're the only ones dealing with it. Nobody else is dealing with this. Nobody else would be struggling with that. And as a young man, I would just say, let people in. Because if you can let them in, that's where healing comes. That's where health comes. And that's where you do not give the devil a place to try to come and steal from you. And, and so I would just say, do the hard work early on. 
of allowing people into your life. Let them in life. And if you'll do that, uh, I really think you'll experience heart for anybody God's heart was freedom. He wants you to experience freedom. He wants you to experience joy. He wants you to experience peace. He wants you to experience freedom and anything that would hinder those things. Who wants to go to war against? Yeah. God wants to go to war against anything that would take your peace, take your joy, and take your freedom. Amen. And so, uh, but but he does that in the context of people coming into our life. And we just have to and we just have to kind of go through that process, which can be embarrassing and uh, and you feel ashamed, but let them in. Let people in. Yeah, I was reminded of even the story of the woman at the well, right? Where you're saying that, like she wanted to talk to Jesus about this. Yes. And he's saying, I want to talk to you about this. Well, I had a young person come to me recently and just, you know, confess something. And 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 they're, they're saying, I mean, I don't always handle stuff well pastorally, but they said to me, oh, you're not, you're not angry. I'm like, what? Why would I be angry? I'm more worried about you. Like you've been carrying yeah. this for three, four months. And it's even different when someone brings you something versus you find out something because the, 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 yeah, the, no, the, right. the deception. So, but when someone's like, Hey, this is, this is my struggle. I've been having yes. sex. I've been looking at this. I've been using this. I've been doing this. You're like, yeah. Hey, that's God doesn't want you to carry that weight anymore. Confession is God's kindness and, yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. So Benning, that's been beautiful. And just today, no, you're exactly right. Today has been so rich. You've, you've blessed our community. I pray anyone that listens to the podcast, um, would be blessed by today. And I'd also warmly recommend the book, uh, Rooted. I know you've got a bunch of other works and stuff and speaking and podcasts out there yourself, Benning, but thank you so much for joining us on the Becoming podcast today, my friend. Yeah. Such an honor to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Ciao. We'll chat again soon. Well, that was a wow. great conversation. Um, I, I never in my life thought I would be having a conversation with Pastor Benny Liebsner from Jesus Culture, but what a blessing that was. That what, was such a beautiful conversation. What's, what's something that really stood out to you about what, what he had to say, Jess? Um, yeah, just just the whole idea that, you know, he said a thriving believer is rooted in three soils, the presence of God, the Word of God, and like community of people that love God. And I'm like, well, what a great start to when you're starting your journey with God, like, you know, what are the three necessities that I need to like start? Yeah. And, you know, that's reading the Bible, that's being in community, um, you know, that's praying presence. to Him. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I love that. And yeah, He really highlighted some things that um, that was so interesting, you know, you know, how important community is, is when you get to just be your complete self mm. and you're supported and you're loved by that community. Yeah. And I loved how you guys made the joke of um, comparing CrossFit community to church community. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what CrossFit's like. I can just assume, <laughs> clearly. I don't do CrossFit. <laughs> you don't do CrossFit daily? Uh, yeah, yeah, no. That's I a don't. surprise. Yeah. Um, but how he talked about, you know, in your church community, you really get to reveal who you are. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, other communities, whether that's, you know, it could even be a friendship group where you don't really show who you truly are, 
but in a community that's filled with people that love God, they support you um, and they love you. And, you know, even the last part of what you guys were talking about, how the enemy tries to pull us out of community and make us think that we have to deal with our shame and our guilt and our sins by ourselves. Mm, um, so true. Yeah, and I, I just love that. You know, we don't have to do that. No. Yeah. What, what did you love about it? Oh, I, I definitely think that those three soils idea, that's a powerful idea. Yeah. And, and I've seen people come to respond to Jesus. And even like in the journey that you and I have walked together, Jess, mm. I've seen you prioritise those three soils and what God has produced in your life um, mm. because of that has been truly beautiful. Mm. And so today, you know, I'd, I'd really encourage you, if you're thinking about following Jesus or if you have started following Jesus, uh, join a community of faith. Uh, they can walk you through what it means to pray, spend time in the presence and dwell in the Word of God. If you don't know what is a good community or a church to go to, hey, reach out to us at hello at church.nu. Um, you may not be near a New Life Church. We'd love to tell you of churches in your city or region that you could attend. But Jess, if someone wants to stay up to date with what's happening with the podcast, how can they engage with us? Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is uh, New Life Church, and you can click on the podcast um, button there. Otherwise, you can visit church.nu slash becoming and we have all our podcast episodes there as well. Fantastic. Well, friends, that's it from us. Uh, thank you for joining us for this week and we look forward to seeing you again and joining you for our next conversation on the Becoming Podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope we passed on some valuable knowledge on how you can become and lead a life more like Jesus. If this message inspired you, please make sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss a single podcast or share it with a friend. And for more information and resources on what we discussed today, please visit church.nu slash becoming. See you next time and God bless.